James, you don't get it, do you? This isn't good cop, bad cop. This is fag and New Yorker. <laughs> wow. You're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> hey, this is me from the Category 3 podcast. And today we're going to talk about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Today with me I have James. Hey James, how's it going? I am well. It's a double uh, Shane Blacks, two Shane Blacks in a row. That's right. Uh, I'm excited. Um, this is this is probably one of my favorite films. I there, I came across it probably in like 2008 or nine. Probably mm-hmm. after, actually after the fact that Iron Man was released and I. Oh, interesting. Seeing Robert Downey uh-huh. Jr. in Iron Man. And probably went around digging, trying to see <laughs> what else has he done. And uh-huh. then I, found, I stumbled upon Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That was probably the most recent one after, before. Yeah. Other than, like the, other than Iron Man at the time. Yeah, you know, I bet most people that have seen this film uh, kind of come at it from that sort of like reverse angle too. Uh, from either... Iron Man, of course, or just the Iron Man character from, like, any of the Avengers films. Obviously, uh, this film was not... We were just talking about how this only made $15 million, so it basically made back its budget uh, yeah. in there. Uh, but it does have a bit of a reputation, and, and I and Robert Downey Jr., of course, sensed this film when he was really recovering from ad addiction and that kind of stuff. Um, right. Has only just sort of catapulted to really, really high heights uh, just in his career. So in a weird sort of way, this film, without this film, I don't know if there's like the Marvel Universe because like this is sort of the kickoff to Iron Man, which was the kickoff to really the Avengers Universe. Uh, so That's thank you, great. Shane Black. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Shane Black. We would not have the career... That we have with Robert Downey Jr. And I, I, I gotta say, like, I, to be honest, I really enjoy watching Robert Downey Jr. in the big screen. Um, I watched Iron Man in the theater. I've seen Avengers, a lot of the Avengers movies. They're very entertaining. But mm-hmm. obviously, they're, I think they would not be as popular without, without Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. There's, yeah. I don't know if there are very many actors that can pull off the kind of charisma that Robert Downey Jr. brings. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot of charismatic un- actors that we have, but there is just a kind of a I don't know what the term is like. He's not suave, but he just has a very kind of interesting charmingness to him. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 he just comes off very likably. I mean, I do you know. I mean, of course, the other people that will very famously agree with you on the importance of Downey Jr. to the Avengers are Marvel executives, because I yeah. think those people have clearly uh, made that determination that he's so important that they need to pay him uh, X amount of money. I mean, I don't even know what he's making in, like, the last Avengers films, but I was, I mean, he's making much, much more than his other stars around him, which in many ways are much more expendable. So I think they're making that sort of calculation there, and I, I mean, as far as I think, uh, as far as I know, that seems to be a correct calculation too uh yeah. because he's like if you're gonna think about the avengers he really is like 
I don't know. He's he's the magnetic charm with uh to to that group. And I'm personally not like the biggest Marvel fan. I'm entertained by those films as as you are. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll be bringing many Marvel films onto Category Three. Probably but, not. Uh, you know, he's uh, <laughs> he's probably one of like the top three things I do yeah. enjoy about those films. If I were to do something on Category Three from Marvel, I would probably do Loki, and I would watch that again. Okay. That's a very interesting one, and very different than. We're diff- similar yet quite different than your typical Marvel, uh, for sure movies, but even TV shows that yeah. Okay, I have not seen Hockey, so uh, yeah, very different. Yeah. Um, Robert Downey Jr. probably probably made, you know, like in his last Avengers movie or whatever Marvel movie he made, probably made like cumulative whatever he'd made cumulative in the Marvel universe at the time at that time in that last movie I imagine. Like, they probably paid him through the teeth. Yeah, and weren't they paying him, like, $60 million? Is that what it was? 60 80? It was something ridiculous. And, yeah. I, like, it, it had enough profit-sharing involved that I'm sure Robert Downey Jr. could retire and not, not look at the movie industry for, for the rest of his life and be completely fine. Well, it depends how many cocaine parties he wants to throw, but sure. <laughs> sure. That's <laughs> the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Um... So I have a couple of synopsis. You tell me what you think about them. All right. Um, synopses, synopsises. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna do the Sicario thing again. <laughs> Neither of us are English majors. We're, we're engineering oh. majors, so yeah. Don't judge us. English too is my second language, so so I have that going. <laughs> English for me. might as make... well have been my second language. So. <laughs> there you go. The, there we go. All right. So the synopsis says. All right. The first one's pretty basic. Uh. A murder mystery b- brings together a private eye, a struggling actress, and a thief masquerading as an actor. <laughs> brings together. See? I already screwed it up. Um, another one. Uh, petty thief posing as an actor is brought to L.A. For, for an unlikely audition and finds himself in the middle of murder investigation along with his high school dream girl and a detective who's been training him for his upcoming role. Yeah, they they both more or less work. They do, yeah. right? They they both sound exceedingly silly, but very uh, Shane Black premise. That's true. That's true. Um, I feel like the second one's more accurate, but yeah, I mean, they're both they're both more they both of them more or less will do. Yeah, um, I agree. What do you think of the premise? Is it like? Um, how do you feel about it? Would you, like, as you were watching the movie, did you feel like it, it worked naturally or was it kind of unnatural? What What were your thoughts about the premise? Yeah, you know, the premise, I don't know that I care that much about the premise. Like, to me, at least, the charm of the film and the value of the film is more just, like, bringing together the different, like, actors, whether it's uh, Val Kilmer with uh, Downey Jr. Yeah. or uh, Downey Jr. with Michelle Monaghan. Uh, yeah. All three of those characters, I think, have pretty good chemistry together. Yep. So I think that's the heart of the film. And, you know, like, yeah. he's he's obviously drawing a lot of inspiration from, uh, like, film noir, which has famously convoluted plots. Like, uh, each of those chapters is based off of a Raymond Chandler novel. Um, I've, yeah. I'm a Raymond Chandler fan, so I, I, oh, really? I read those awesome. those novels. Uh, but it's, uh, it's like... Those fil- those things, if, like, you're, like, a super plot-driven person, it's, like, the plot just doesn't matter that much. It's more yeah. just about, like, 
the interactions of the characters and stuff like that and occasionally like some nice style and stuff like that so the premise for me i mean does it work maybe i i don't i don't really know for me I, I guess it just doesn't really matter that much i think i think i would say it works for the same reasons which is that the between the dialogue and the way the actors carry the 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 charm and the the sort of the chemistry between them is what kind of really makes it work um and and so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean if you want to say that so if you put bad actors in like will the premise not work and i'm like maybe because the movie doesn't work right and so that's that's like actors are well paid so well paid in a lot of these movies is probably because they do bring like they do the bulk of the undertaking right like that that'd be my argument like yeah I well think, yeah, yeah yeah i mean they need to uh i mean like the recipes for this film that work it's like having actors saying Shane Black lines to each other in a way that yeah. like has a good chemistry. And I mean, that's yeah. like, if you just boil the film down to what is the most important, that, that's it. I mean, that's, that's all go. it is really. There we go. I think, yeah. And I, I would say like a, the, the plot is generally surprisingly believable. Like you might not have all these things intertwined, tied up to each other so well. You, you but, think but, the crotch gun is very believable? There we go. The crotch gun especially, <laughs> yeah. dude. I got it. I got something to sell you. Oh, thank God there was a gun yeah. in there. For a second, I thought it was a gay thing. <laughs> <laughs> the way that... That's one of the... Yeah. We'll, we'll come to that, actually, in a little bit. Um, so, critics. Like, I was just going through and looking at what people thought about it. The critics, audience. Uh, IMDB, which is probably comprised of more audience than, than critics. They you get like a 7.5 rating. So solid. Solid, pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 86% from critics, about 85% from audience. Probably Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic don't have as many reviews for this as IMDb does. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like this is a, you know, it's a pretty solid film. Probably not the best one on the radar for critics, but like, for me, it's such a cult classic that I thought we should do this and we should talk about this. Yeah, yeah. It was and after... Yeah, you suggested this film after I had said, oh, have you seen Last Boy Scout? And I, I knew that you were a big fan of Shane Black. And that kind of, I think, prompted us or you to be inspired to sort of suggest uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as another uh, Candy Party 3 target. Uh, and we'd both seen the film. Uh, yeah, you. I had not seen. The, I actually did see this film when it came out. Uh, so I saw this film. Uh, well, maybe half a year after it came out, so two thousand six. Yeah. And uh, but I had not seen it since. So it'd been over fifteen years uh, since I uh, saw the film. So it was very very interesting to uh, revisit. This and Iron Man were actually my folding the laundry movie. <laughs> I used to have a forty inch TV in my apartment, and I would fold laundries and watch the movie and repeat the lines. <laughs> so I mean, back so when forty-inch TVs were big. Back when forty-inch TV, they're still big. What are you talking about? I still have forty-inch TV in my home. <laughs> yeah. Some somehow you've upgraded so many different things in your home, but the last thing is is the TV. That's um, I think that's probably the next big thing that I would get. But uh, we're we're kind of 
moving away from the main th- main topic, which is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Check out our TV review podcast next. Uh, there we go. No, just <laughs> please continue. I don't know if we're, we're so technically capable to start doing TV reviews. Just, <laughs> just recommending terrible TVs to people. <laughs> hey, we uh, get a referral code. There we go. Yeah. I have my old 40-inch TV that I'm trying to sell. <laughs> uh, so uh, next thing I had on my um, sort of listed on here was was cinemat- cinematography and soundtrack. And just like the environments and how, how they shot the movie and where they shot, shot it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what do you think of... Like... The movie, I feel like, as majority of it is is shot in dark, mm-hmm. and in dark or like very low light locations. And uh, what do you think about that? How do you? Yeah, I have more thoughts on the cinematography than I do the soundtrack. Um, uh, yeah, that was definitely something that immediately struck me too on the rewatch. I think it's a really good looking film, actually, um, yeah. for. A Hollywood film that's you know on the lowish budget side of thing. Mm-hmm. I like what they did with color. It's also interesting to see this after Last Boy Scout, another yeah. film that's really uh, uses low amounts of light. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think in some ways like visually these these are very companions to each other, mm-hmm. sort of occupying that sort of like neo noir going to show like these dark settings, but also have some really vivid colors in the background. Um, like I remember like sort of that red bar behind like Michelle Monaghan and Robert Downey Jr. Sort of when they're sort of having like their one of their first scenes together, uh, stuff like that. So I, uh, I really liked uh, how it looked. I, I, I appreciated that I think much more than my memory, which I, I did not have a very strong memory of. Um, soundtrack wise, I, I don't know if too much struck me um, is being like super notable. Um, so I'm curious if you have uh, any thoughts on that. I, I yeah. just don't remember that much. I would agree with you on cinematography. Uh, just taking back a step, like the movie looks really good for how how well they've shot it, and in, in terms of for how low light it is, um, the lights and the the colors are really great. Um, the different club scenes that they show you. It's a lot of fun. Like it, it almost feels like they're taking you across LA, different locations, right? Like it starts out at a party, goes to different sets of clubs throughout different nights, and majority of the scenes are at night. Like, and then some of that, like they're showing you a very different side of LA that you don't get to see often in the movies, and I I, I really enjoy that because movies like the reason movies are shot in LA primarily, right? It's because clear sky, clear blue skies and stuff. And that's why the, the industry was set up there and like, right. Just having perfect amount of light to, to do the shooting and whatnot. And this is so, this kind of turns things on its head. Yeah. Yeah. Bit. It's kind of like the retro, uh, noir, which yeah. are famously dark films, but yeah. sort of like updated to be more contemporary. Yeah. A lot of those films were black and white. Obviously yeah. this film is more dimly lit with yeah. some bright, vivid colors, colors, uh, which I mean, I think carry over quite well yeah. and it's it's good because like this film is sort of showing you los angeles but it's also sort of like i don't know mohan drive or something showing you this like seedier yeah. side to it than sort of like all sunny and stuff in fact very little of this film takes place during day too yeah uh so it's almost like a probably like 75 80 percent perpetually dark yeah. uh sort of film it's it's interesting that you mentioned mohan drive Drive and I think like the cinematography is maybe between Mohan Drive and the movie 
drive. <laughs> maybe. Like the, the night yeah, night yeah. parts. Interesting. It I I would maybe put this in somewhere in between those two and I don't know if you would agree with that, but it just randomly came to me. I could certainly see Mulan Drive. It's been a long time since I've seen Drive. Uh, I, I have yeah. not seen that film since it came out either. That's uh, true. But that would be a... Yeah, that'd be an interesting watch. Drive though. doesn't have that many night shots, but like it has some scenes where they do the heists in the beginning mm. at, at nighttime and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some driving around. Um, soundtrack? Soundtrack like really reminded me of a sort of Lethal Weapon-ish. Like a lot of... What seemed like jazz type sax mm-hmm. music, um, and another thing I wanted to talk about was like buddy cop movie and stuff, and like how it compares to that and what your perceptions are. So like, but yeah, yeah, that's like the moment I started hearing music. It was, it was kind of jazzy music, but maybe a little bit more towards like detective style too, right? Like again, what you're talking about with noir, like it seems to go really well with, uh, with, with the flow of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't exactly want like, yeah, I think right now it's sort of slowly coming to me. Sort of that jazzy. Yeah. That, that definitely resonates. Um, you don't really want it to like all of a sudden, like, I mean, it's like 2005. So like some pop song from like, I don't know, Kelly Clarkson or something (laughs) comes on. It's like, it'd be totally out of place. Uh, in a film like this. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it makes sense to sort of go uh, older retro jazz type stuff. Yeah, it almost seemed like the the kind of music that you hear in a movie where like a beat cop or like a like a down-on-luck detective would kind of be in and then would narrate over in, while the while the soundtrack was laid out, kind of. Yeah. And, to, to set up the story, right? And, yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. does a little bit of narrating, at least yeah. in the beginning. No, he does, yeah. I mean, he narrates over the whole thing, and that's where you sort of have your fourth wall breaks and stuff like that. But it's also, um, uh, I mean, his narration, I would say, uh, definitely deviates from <laughs> uh, the voiceovers you probably oh, yeah. heard. Uh, but yeah, he, he's yeah. certainly talking, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different style of uh, narration, I think. It's very interesting. Definitely breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. What? Would you like? What were your perceptions like going into the movie? Did you like sort of compare this to other buddy cop movies, or what were your thoughts around that? So yeah, I mean, when I first watched this in two thousand six, I think I went in with much more of a blank slate, mm-hmm. sort of coming at this from a different thing. Fifteen years later, uh, yeah, I, I, it's impossible not to see sort of like the Shane Black buddy copness in mm-hmm. the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also interesting because, uh, you know, this is the first film that Shane Black directed, I believe. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he went on to direct, um, a few more, uh, different films. I don't know if yeah. any of them I would say are quite as good as this film. Um, you yeah. know, it's kind of open for debate. Uh, I, I do like Iron Man 3, but that's a very different very film. Very different film. Than, yeah, than what uh, we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to see, like... Because we've seen what other directors like Tony Scott in Last Boy Scout or like uh, Richard Donner in uh, Lethal Weapon would do with um, a, a Shane Black script. So it's interesting yeah. to see what Shane Black actually envisions a Shane Black script to be like. Um, and, uh, you know, those other films are definitely a lot more action-oriented. I don't know if this is ever intended to be action-oriented, but uh-huh. I feel like some of those other directors are... Uh, far more, I don't know, kinetic and visceral um, in a way that Shane right. Black kind of has this like more like hangout 
airy, uh, like it, it comes across lighter and more yeah. like, uh, less heavy and like in your face than like a t- Tony Scott film would like the last boy scout. Right. Right. Um, I would agree. And I think like, in my opinion, like actually the, the characters that he's set up in this movie also kind of kind of mean that like you don't require that much action as a sort of a like a you know like a failed or a failed or like a crazy military guy who's now in the police force and like you want to show that level of action and like he can he can match up to it which Mel Gibson's character in Lethal Weapon does right or um even Bruce Willis's character who's supposed to be a cop and then like right gets somehow kicked out of the force and or no he he was in the he was a in the security service and then gets yeah secret service gets yeah. secret service there we go thank you <laughs> and uh and gets gets kicked out of his job and stuff and so like there's a there's just a level of badassness in those characters that you don't really have with the characters that are introduced here mm. it's just a petty petty thief who's going around like jacking you know toy shops and then you have uh supposedly like a like a a person who's like moonlighting as a detective but is also kind of a training casting agent it's it's very unclear yeah dabney seems to be more of a casting person but then like it's so unclear what perry's uh exact role is supposed to be he's a detective training actors to be better actors by taking them out to do detective work. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, never established that he, like, was ex-military or was, like, this super badass. I mean, he's a cool character in a lot of ways, but yeah. they don't establish him as sort of, like, a bona fide action hero. I mean, the other yeah. thing to take into account, too, for, like, sort of Shane Black writing these films, too, is, like, a lot of those films he wrote, like, Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, I mean, like, he's a guy in, like, his late 20s and early 30s, mm-hmm. and, like, now I think this film, I think he'd be, like, 44 so yeah. it's like you probably just are seeing the world much differently uh, yeah. uh, when uh, you're grown up uh, to to like your mid forties versus like uh, late twenties or early thirties. I imagine that's a great point. Like he's he's kind of matured and he's like sort of has different perspective, but then also has different like has polished things more. Like I feel like this movie in many ways is also a lot more polished than the Last Boy Scout. And that that could be attributed attributed to a lot of different things. Obviously, director being different, um, script could be just like Shane Black wasn't going to direct it, so he maybe he didn't care so much about it, right? Um, could be that. I I don't know if I I want to allege that actually. Yeah. But also it could be that like he might just not have been I guess not care, but he might not have been involved as closely as he would be as a director on his own film, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, so that makes sense. And then like his perspective changed also over time. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting that he starts out with like super hard characters, like, like Mel Gibson's character in Lethal Weapon. And, um, uh, what's his, uh, is he called Gibbs or something? Riggs. Martin Riggs and, and Marta, right? Like we're both like, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you I, I don't know if you could call Mel Gibson Gibbs. Gibbs. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's that's the reason I made the mistake. And you called Danny Glover I mean, a glove. You can't call Gibbs Mel Gibson. 
<laughs> you can call Mel Gibson Gibbs. I can call him Gibbs. You know, that's okay. that's how I talk to him. Like, it's when I call him up. Um, he sounds like a delightful fella. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so going from that to going like going from two cops to going to like a one failed cop to end a end a football player, and then from there to just like yeah, people who potentially just haven't served at all. Yeah. Right. Um, so where, where does this fall on your uh, Shane Black rankings? It sounds like it's at the top. It's definitely at the top. Okay. It's a movie that I've seen the most. And what what would you put beneath it? Um. So, like, are we calling anything written or I'd say anything directed anything by written, Shane? Written, yeah. Yeah. Because his, his director uh, credits are pretty... Not Not as many. Not as many. I would say I would probably put some of the lethal weapons. Like, lethal weapons are so similar to each other, even more so than diehards in my mind, that I would, like, almost... They, they almost jam together in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I'd probably put lethal weapon next, and then nice guys would be somewhere after lethal weapons, okay. or in between the different lethal weapons. Um, nice guys uh, movie with also... Uh, directed and written by by Shane Black, uh, kind of a similar like buddy cop or two buddies who were kind of going around town doing detective work. Yeah, I I feel like the pleasures of that film. It's been a while since I've seen that. I yeah. think we may have watched it together. We might have gone to the theater to yeah. watch it because I was such a Shane Black fan. Yeah, uh, but I feel like the pleasures of that are are kind of derived from the same things as this film, like watching yeah. the interactions of. Uh, crow and gosling together that's true that's true i feel like i feel like like with my this is my opinion and it's very subjective but like with <clears throat> with kiss kiss bang bang he just had it at a such a perfect kind of uh, i don't know like measurements mm-hmm. that it comes out so well and that nice guy is is probably really good but I, I it just never measured up to what like kiss kiss bang bang has been for me mm-hmm. um and i would i would totally watch nice guys again and see if my opinion would change on mm-hmm. that because i don't remember it very well i don't either oddly enough <laughs> yeah how how well did you remember kiss kiss bang bang since you watched it and it's been a while but i'm kind of curious if you had any recollection of it or if it was kind of you would say you kind of remember both movies equally or not remember. I remember Downey, and I remember it being a good Downey Jr. showcase. Um, and uh, I remember it was very noir and very self-referential. And that's awesome. more or less what I remembered. That's, I think that's pretty much the essence of the movie. So Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I misremembered stuff, but there's definitely some stuff that I sort of had a bigger appreciation of, like cinematography and uh, sort of like I don't know the Shane Black buddy yes to it I don't I, I don't think I uh, I don't know just knowing more of Shane Black's history with writing characters and stuff like that um, and sort of the characters he chooses seems to choose adds a sort of certain texture to the enjoyment of it when you're watching it right right what do you think of like speed of the dialogue and and pace of the movie I think. They're generally two different things, but I feel like they kind of, in this movie, they maybe carry each other. Like, the, the dialogue kind of sets up the pace for the movie, and then vice versa, maybe. 
Yeah, you know, the pace of the movie is really weird uh, because I decided at a certain point I just was didn't care that much about plot and trying to figure out who, who did what to who. Uh, yeah. So uh, the pace of it felt strange to me in that sense, very unconventional because it felt more like a string of scenes put together. Yep. But the dialogue uh, definitely has like a very certain rhythm to it. Yeah. And I don't know if you credit that more to Shane Black or Robert Downey um, or just all of the actors. Uh, Val too, actually. Yeah, Val. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I love the way that it just sort of snaps back and forth. Yeah, um, and it's just uh, I don't know. I mean, it's really a writer's film in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I would I would agree. I didn't care so much about plot either. Uh, like the Corbin Burnson, who's supposed to be the villain of the films, like barely there uh, in the entire movie. Right, like he's there probably probably five to seven minutes at yeah. the max of screen time, which uh, I forget how long the runtime is of the movie, but it's not that long. Either. Hour 45. There we go. Thank you. So of that, like, pretty small percentage of time for, for a villain to be properly be on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And, and, you know, I think Shane Black is aware of his things. I think one of the big weaknesses of The Last Boy Scout is like you have talking villain syndrome at the end where it's just like we just learn all this stuff yeah and like i i think it's clear from this film that gene black doesn't really care it's yeah. like whatever yeah, yeah 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 he just he figured out like it just there's no need for that and so he cuts him out yeah which makes sense uh speed of the dialogue when i first watched it it was uh despite watching iron man it was a super fast movie for me i thought like it was not easy to keep up uh, with the with the dialogue and like what was going on, and so that that also attributed to the pace for me. I think like in trying to figure out what was going on in the plot a little bit, at least in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But like over watching again, obviously I don't care so much about the plot and more so there for the fun of the movie. But um, yeah, it was. Uh... <clears throat> It was, it was something I had to learn to keep up with with mm. that pace mm-hmm. of the dialogue, basically. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun, actually. Kind yeah. Of, kind of going along with it once you kind of realize and you understand the rhythm that they have between between, especially between Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer, they just play off each other so well. Yeah, and because the plot matters so little, uh, in terms of that, it's sort of a film that you can just sort of like hop on in the middle and be like, yeah, yeah. I'll watch a couple scenes here. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's yeah. Val and Robert. Uh, <laughs> no one calls him Robert. It's Ro- Val and uh, Downey Jr. It's like let's let's watch them cook up a couple dishes together. Val and Bob, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Val, Bob, and Michelle. Michelle. That is exactly how I watched the movie. So you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like that's how I I've rewatched the movie over and over again so frequently. Yeah. I mean good folding laundry movie too because the yes. dialogue is it's a lot of it is uh, audible rather than uh, visual. That's true. Um All right. I don't <clears throat> I didn't I don't think I have a lot more specifically about kind of discussing things around the movie. Mhm. Did you have anything you want to call out? Uh I have, like, favorite dialogue and scenes, talk yeah. about cast and crew in a little bit more detail and budget. Um, I, I, one thing I did like about this film, there's a couple things that stood out as being kind of, like, they wouldn't do that now. Um, I like how uh, 
they're very casual in killing people, uh, as Shane Black seems to be. Like, they yeah. kill Robert Downey Jr.'s partner really fast in the beginning. Oh, that's right. And, and it's done in a weird way that is, like, totally very different from how Hollywood would usually handle it. It doesn't have much heaviness to it. Uh, yeah. At least, not for me, at least. Uh, and yeah. the other thing that stood out, too, uh, and maybe it's just the way Hollywood moves, is it's a fairly horny movie. Like, there's a lot of nudity in it, uh, especially from Michelle Monaghan. Uh, and I was struck by that. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, Hollywood doesn't really do that it's a very i think shane black thing he's a if you've seen old lethal weapon movies there's there's always boobs yeah and there's nudity yeah it's i don't know like um it's a it might be a stylistic choice it might be it is kind of yeah yeah, it's a little i mean personally i am not a fan of the way hollywood has moved so i for me it's welcome but i mean i'm also a fan of a lot of european film that pushes it even further but yeah go sorry so so i really like the nuances that that kind of shane black tends to put with the new nudity like because you have michelle monahan often uh semi-naked in the movie and that's kind of sexual and like you know different kind of uh, nudity than like when when they encounter the girl in the trunk of the car dead and she's naked but it's not it's not sex- sexual right like it's a very different way different reason for sh- for showing that yeah and that's what i kind of kind of found interesting i think he's done that a lot he's his movies like older movies have have shown some nudity here and there I think, like, this movie probably does it better than most of his other movies in terms of, like, showing these nuances. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. I I need to rewatch some of the older ones. Last Boy Scout didn't have too much, but Lethal Weapons do, and I have not seen those films. I think it's been even longer that I've seen those films than uh, this film. I think Halle Berry doing, like, stripping at the beginning is... Oh, you're right, yeah. There's a strip club in that, so... Yeah, I think she's kind of topless she has pasties on or something okay yeah so pretty and then pretty soon after he kills her um or well the the character dies i mean Mm -hmm. character gets killed off um yeah actually so i was going to say the same thing that you talked about um talked about the theft at the beginning and and like uh, Robert Downey Jr. kind of narrating of how he got to the party, which is such a unusual uh, way to get to the party, which is like, oh, one minute he's boosting Xboxes and, and kids' toys, get, gets his partner shot, and then next minute he's uh, in an audition room getting 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 a pa- free pass to come to L.A. from East Coast. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, from from like just a totally gun reckless New Yorker apparently. Which I when I imagine New Yorkers, I don't imagine that. But that that guy, who is supposed to be Robert Downey Jr.'s partner, who n- does not get mentioned even once through the rest of the movie, uh, just like you should. They show him like, "Hey, lady, this gun is not loaded," <laughs> and just pointing the gun directly at the person with a loaded gun, and going. <laughs> getting shot it's, uh, yeah it's pretty funny and then like that was another thing like the way it just like shifts things in the in the movie like 
oh, what's going to happen? Is Robert Downey Jr. going to get caught? And then next thing you know, he like actually, no, he's not going to get caught. He, he killed an audition and like, he's like, you know, it's almost like he's winning by yeah. things that happen to him. Like he wouldn't normally have gone into an audition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we could talk a lot about also just, like, the deception and the way that this film just subverts stuff. It's, like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that just is, like, it's, like, there's a cliche movie thing to happen. And it sort of makes you think that that thing might happen. And then it almost never happens. Yeah. Like, like we see him, like, uh, kidding it off with Michelle Monaghan the first time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's waking up, he's naked, and he's with, like, a totally different girl. And it's like, yep. and stuff like that. Uh, it's yep. like, uh, it's just very good at sort of like subverting uh, yeah. stuff. It's like even like probably the most significant action scene until the end is done by actually Michelle Monaghan, who's like half naked wandering around in like a Santa suit. So it's That's like right. uh, when she's like chasing stuff down and stuff. <laughs> chasing, and stuff. yeah, yeah. Villains, bad people down and accidentally shoots. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and the person that actually shoots the thug is a is a guy like in a yeah in a like uh what do you call it like the not the restaurant but just a oh yeah yeah just like a just a truck a food, food truck stall yeah. yeah 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 or even like the Russian roulette where Robert Downey Jr. just plugs a guy he's like what it's like yeah. an eight percent chance that's that's probably my favorite sequence yeah, yeah. Uh, or like, another no, one it's a sixteen point six 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 percent chance idiot <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or another one right at the beginning where um or at the party where he tries to act like a hero and be like walk uh, yeah, away yeah, from yeah. the girl D- don't think just walk away yeah and then next thing you know he just gets the shit beaten out of him yeah i mean even down to the uh, cold open uh where we have the kids which we find out later are uh monhan and uh downey jr and yeah. uh it's like oh it's like oh, the girl great. actually getting sawed Nope, she she was acting, and it just uh, has a really fun, playful time with just sort of like subverting audiences' expectations in that way. Yeah. It's very aware of sort of the movie cliches, and yeah. it's almost like Shane Black like knew these ones and was like, nope, we're gonna just swerve a little bit this way, or we're gonna do the complete opposite thing. So there's right. little joys to be found in just uh, watching the film uh, sort of do those things. I think actually all of my favorite dialogues and se- sequences are all about that um i have yet another one which is like they come back after doing their detective work and he's you know like they find out harmony is or they get a call that harmony is maybe dead goes to his room harmony shows up randomly like he thought she was going to be dead right like michelle moynihan's character Mm -hmm. so that was another one then when he goes to the bathroom while while she's in the hotel and then he finds the dead body in his bathroom. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that scene, by the way. It's just like, say that again? They gave her back? <laughs> in each case, in each sequence, I just love the way Val Kilmer just has a has an attitude. It's like... Um, his, his attitude and, like, his charm goes so well in this movie compared to, like, like, Bruce Willis, for example, where he's just like, he's just like a total asshole. There's no, like, I, I did not find 
<laughs> any moment where like Bruce Willis's character in The Last Boy Scout was at all charming. Oh, maybe I just resonate with assholes more, but I, I really like. Did Bruce you like? Willis and you Last did Boy really Scout. enjoy that. Right? Yeah, like, I, it just went like. I think there's we're seeing the small differences between my our senses of humor, where it's like <laughs> I I like more just like the guy being a total <laughs> asshole and uh, i was completely shocked when i first watched it and then when i talked to you in the movie last time i was like that's kind of funny but it was more shocking in the beginning <laughs> where like he just bruce Willis goes home, home and like just has the most filthiest conversation with his daughter <laughs> just like yeah <laughs> just like what you, and, you got a problem with i think i fucked the squirrel to death and don't remember <laughs> Got no problems, man. Uh, uh, I wish Downey said that line. <laughs> it would be interesting to hear now. I think he would almost not do a movie like that. Just, just well, the kind of persona that he's set up. It's true, right? With the thing is, Tony he, Stark. He definitely doesn't need to care about money at all anymore. So it's like he can, in theory, do the projects he wants to, whether, whether he wants to or if he just wants to chill. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe. I think they're doing another Sherlock, which is, okay. you know, like, another, yet another franchise that he's been working on. Yeah, he obviously did uh, <clears throat> Willy Wonka as well, which, I mean, I've seen neither of those, so I will not comment, but Willy Wonka does not have a good reputation. That's true, I guess. Um, so, any any specific call-outs on the dialogue? I have, I mean, you could essentially quote the entire movie, but there were certain... I'll, I'll, I'll let you leave this one. I, I didn't yeah. uh, write anything down. Like, um, <clears throat> what was it? Um, give me a second, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the, the most most popular one is, like, the idiot sequence where he's like, look up definition of an idiot in the dictionary. Do you know what you'll find? And then Downey Jr. goes like, I know, a picture of me, right? Like, And then uh, Val Kilmer goes, no, find a definition of the f word idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably one of the great ones. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of sad to look back at this, too. This is like one of the last good uh, Val Kilmer roles, I feel like. Uh, That's true. It's a really good showcase for him. Like, he has great chemistry with uh, Downey Jr., he, I think he, like, he's not just a great actor-actor, but he's also a great voice actor, in my opinion. Like, his voice is just so really good, or that that I, yeah, he makes it work really well. I guess acting means you have to do voice acting, but he's pretty amazing in the, in the way he delivers dialogue and stuff, basically. Yeah, he's really yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, you think about this film, too. It's like he probably would have been a bigger draw at this point than uh, Robert Downey, which is kind of crazy to think. Because uh, in the 15 years since, they've gone almost, like, opposite directions. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. He's even struggling financially. So I wanted to talk about that, but I wanted to go over some of the interesting uh, dialogues and stuff. I don't know if you have any. We can look up some. Yeah, hit me. Um... I think I I really like the the talking money conversation they have. Um, they 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 start talking about like oh a girl that went away, like at the party as they're leaving the party. He goes, um, you know, uh, he talks about harmony and how 
she's a girl that got away and then Perry goes, yeah, I had that. And he was like, you did? And he, uh, Perry responds like, yeah, Bobby Mills. Yeah. And Downey just makes like a ugh, face. <laughs> and then he goes, well, maybe you should get, get, get in touch with him. I got five bucks that says you could still get him. Perry goes, really? That's funny. I got 10 that says pass, that says pass the pepper. I got two quarters that says sing harmony on moon, moonlight in Vermont. Uh, so he just, he's just making shit up so fast. Uh-huh. Perry goes, what? Uh, Perry goes, talking money. Harry goes, a talking monkey? Yeah, a talking monkey. Came here from the future. Ugly sucker. Only says ficus. I think this is a lot of call and response. You, you yeah, have yeah, to participate yeah, yeah. with me or we're just... Oh, okay. Do no, I need to get I, in I'm here? just messing with yeah, you, yeah. James. I'm just messing <laughs> with you. Um... Yeah, there are just so many of these sequences. You called out you called out the one with the gun where he's like, Am I bluffing? And then he just shoots the guy. <laughs> he's like, What the fuck? Did you just uh did you just shoot that guy? He just put a loaded gun at his head and pulled the trigger and he's like, Well, there's like a eight percent chance. Shut the fuck up, idiot. <laughs> just, yeah. He's like, did you fail on that, too? <laughs> yeah. He uh, just kills the goon like that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this reminded me that w the parallel with, like, how Bruce Willis kind of gets the goon to, uh, goon, like, tricks the goon in Last Boy Scout to, like, take over his... Uh, his gun and how he does it, right? Like he tells him a joke and stuff. Whereas yeah. Val Kilmer, when they are being tortured and he's just like, Hey, hey, Maricon, I know you're a little bit gay. I know you're a little bit gay. <laughs> and like the guy, the other goon who seems like a, like a Latino or something. He just, he's so mad. He just like starts torturing Robert Downey Jr. More and more. <laughs> it's like, stop helping, stop yeah. helping. And then the, and then Val Kilmer just shoots him from his pants with his uh, <laughs> faggot gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Yeah. 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 That, that last last bit, like, it just, it just, yeah, it's a lots and lots of laughter. Yeah. Yeah, it starts starts kind of packing, he, he packs up a lot of stuff and a lot of dialogue in there. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Kind but, of funny. Right. And no, And he's the best at just sort of doing this, like, buddy, like, clippy one-liner type mm -hmm. stuff um uh so i yeah it's it's just very well suited to its, this film yeah uh this reminds me of a quote that or sort of how chuck polanuk polanuk the basically the writer who wrote fight club mm -hmm. um the book mm -hmm. talked about and he basically said um, he basically said along the lines of like, when he was writing Fight Club, it was just, he had all the, all bunch of different quotes from different people and different friends and stuff where that when they would do banter. And then he had, he was like, I had all the, all the kind of these quips and stuff that I wanted to use. All I had to do was figure out a premise to, to put, hmm. put it together. In. Interesting. And that's how we kind of, <clears throat> did a lot of the fight club writing supposedly yeah like some of the like like the general dialogue that came came in the fight club and it's very interesting that um i think 
this movie feels very much like that. You know? Absolutely. Like, I mean, just, Sheen Black feels like that. Just like, That's That true. is his style. That is his style. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally agree. I mean, that and that's in many ways why it's just it's such a good hangout film. You know, one thing I am a little bit curious about, too, uh, with the movie is, like, the way that they have quips and stuff. Like, I feel like he does a really good job with, like, the male-to-male friendships and, like, buddy, uh, like, uh, like, I don't know, like, connecting and stuff like that and, like, mm-hmm. the way that quips happen back and forth. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what, like, an IMDb or whatever, what, like, the female rating of it is. Like, if it, if these are kind of, like, more dude films or if uh, if they don't resonate as much with uh, female audiences. Yeah, we're looking um, it up I right now. I wouldn't be some, surprised uh, if that was the case. Um, but looks like general average female rating is 7.5, although there's only 24,000 yeah, female which is typical, female actually. viewer audience whereas there is 156,000. And so the male same viewers. same rating. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that actually uh usually when they're the same rating that's actually kind of rare. It's oftentimes a lot Skewed of films are one way or lower. the other. Yeah, exactly. So makes sense. Uh, I yeah. almost feel like Fight Club might be a movie that might be highly rated by men. Than I think so. I think that's women. a good bet to be a a very skewed one. Um, we're doing some live research right now. There we go. But that's a very interesting perspective you you bring up. Because um. I I do feel like uh, as far as female characters go for Shane Black, uh, the Michelle Monaghan character here is. Probably one of his better ones. Yeah. Oh, it's not as different as I would have thought for Fight Club. Same here, yeah. There's only, uh, if anyone's curious who's listening, there's only a 0. 0.1, uh, 0. 0.1 uh, point difference between the ratings. So 8.8 by males for Fight Club and 8.7 with a total average of 8.8 for Fight Club. Is it no longer in like the top 250 movies? Oh, it's got it. On MD? Uh, I don't know, like, they've changed the episode. number 11. Oh, wow. Okay, that's pretty high up there. That's really high, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, the other thing I had was just talk about cast and crew, obviously. Uh, the main characters, like, how they're in the movie, but also, like, their their past, their future, or their past, future, when, in terms of, like, talking to the, about the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, how things turned out for them, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, as we talked about, it's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, you don't have to do much Googling to find out what happened to him. Uh, yeah. Straight up uh, from here. I mean, yeah. considering that he probably felt, like, pretty failed at that point. Like, he was only, he was, like, 40 already, and yeah. it seemed like stuff was not going his way. But he's had a pretty remarkable 16-year stretch in terms of, certainly making money and, and gaining a lot of fame. Um, Turned his life around quite significantly. But fun fact, he wa- he did some petty theft in real life, apparently. He would... Uh, I think he was... He, he, te- he tended to be pretty high on drugs quite, a, quite frequently and then would uh, enjoy partying quite a bit and then uh, ended up, like, doing petty theft and whatnot. And I don't know why, but he did that and he even got sentenced into jail or something or somehow yeah 
was yeah. able to. You know, my earliest memories so. of him are about hearing him about him on the news, like getting arrested wow. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. like before I'd ever seen him in a movie or anything like that. And it's like now if you're talking about a Robert Downey Jr. film, there's a good chance that it's coming in the last 16 years with this being like the first one that would be listed. It's like just about Probably. all of his notable work uh, is from like this more recent decade and a half. I think, yeah, I think we've known him from a different era. And so, like, he's done interesting things in the past, but they're so different than what he's done today that I don't know if, if there's an audience overlap between what he's done in the past and what he's done sort of more recently. Right, right. Between that, the... Between the... Yeah. Before and after. Whereas, um, like, Val Kilmer, it's like, talk about, like, heat and some of that stuff. Uh, that he's in I mean like he was very interesting diverse set of roles yeah amazing like a lot of stuff that I would probably watch today even mm-hmm. uh, real genius right is the where he's a like a supposed to be like a famous kid scientist and then like uh, kind of rebels against the institution that he's part of uh, I don't stuff. know if I've seen that actually it's a one of the Actually, more famous kid movies by Val Kilmer, uh, Top Gun, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a really fun movie. We, we should watch it sometime. I'm not sure if you would vote it vote for it to be on category three, but it's still a fun movie in general to watch. Okay. Um, yeah, like eighty five. It's a very eighties movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, very different trajectories for Val and Robert. Like, uh, both kind of A-list actors going through downs and ups and stuff. But, right. like, the I haven't seen the documentary that has come out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think it, like, it shows that, like, how much, how he's, how Val Kilmer is not very well off financially, but still trying to live a good life and stuff. And, like, obviously, I think he had... Had some, some health issues. Health issues. Some potentially some cancer or something and like had to go through and do like a treatment. And stuff. Yeah, some kind of treatment, whatnot. Yeah. I mean, thinking about him, he's like only a few years older than Downey, I believe. So it's like uh just like we just think about them and their careers yeah. very differently. Uh, yeah. And apparently like, like the, the kind of like odd part where they like sort of they don't meet in the middle because I do think Valcomer is bigger than Downey at this point, but Oh for sure. Like going sorry i interrupted what were you saying no no go ahead yeah oh that's it i think we're we're some talking similar things but maybe different points but yeah yeah like i think val kilmer got affected pretty heavily from from stock market crash too and that that affected him ah. his financial stuff and whatnot i see yeah um robert downey jr on the other end like probably at the at the highest he would have ever been in his life, you know, like financially in terms of fame and and just probably even power in terms of the Hollywood industry, like probably could get made two or three different movies that he probably want to like, like during Dr. this time or, or now or now, now, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. like starting off here right. and then, and then going where coming to today. Yeah. Yeah. He could do whatever he wants now. Pretty I much. Mean, he, he does. Yeah. <laughs> not have the financial injuries yeah. that unfortunately Val Kilmer seems to have. Like I'm sure it was a risk for Shane Black to get him to play the role that he did, 
in um in kiss kiss bang bang but i'm i imagine it was probably even a bigger risk to get him to star in iron man because essentially they had big plans for the franchise yeah and they had like a multi-decade plan yeah, yeah. no from I, executives and like to to get him to star in iron man would be a pretty risky thing to do so for sure john Favreau was pretty big and like kind of convincing the people that that yeah. was the right tony stark and like they absolutely made the right decision looking back now but at the time Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember uh, reading uh, the message boards, like, in 2003, 2004, 2005, and there's, like, this rumor of, like, this Iron Man movie, and I believe then it was, like, Tom Cruise was, like, the guy they were talking about to star in that. Oh, thank and, God. like, that's, like, a totally different alternate universe. Yeah. On the positive side to casting Tom Cruise, maybe it would have just killed Marvel, and uh, we wouldn't be living in this one. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a Marvel hater, but uh, they're not my favorite films, either. Yeah, I mean, we could probably talk about it at some point, like how if there weren't Marvel films, what w- would we get anything better from the high budget side of the things, right? Like, and like, what would the movie industry look like for right. mid budget movies, which kind of has been eaten over by the, these big budget films, right? So, yeah, I mean, or is it like the combination more of the streaming services and stuff? I mean, it's a very complicated discussion. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Topic for another time, I suppose. Yeah. Michelle Monaghan, um, she was in, um, I gotta, I gotta Google her cause like, I haven't seen a whole lot of, yeah, movies by her. Um, she's fairly, fairly prominent in this movie. And she's good um, too. She's, she's really good actually. Uh, she was in True Detective. Uh, which season was Oh, she that? was in the most recent Mission Impossible. Oh, she was in... Which, was she in season she, one? True de- yeah, she's in True de- Detective season one with Woody Harrelson. She's supposed okay. to be... Well, Woody Harrelson's character is supposed to be, like, having an affair with somebody else. Um, yeah, she's pretty good, but, like, I just don't know if I've seen too many standout uh roles by her she hasn't had um i guess the opportunities uh or at least I, there's not that much memorable i mean i had to look up stuff and she's been in a bunch of films i've seen but yeah i don't really remember her yeah um, um very distinctly in any of those apparently she was in gone baby gone which is with uh, casey yeah. affleck but it's been so long since i've seen it and, like same here directed by ben affleck if i'm if i'm yeah re- she, she was the second lead in there but i barely remember that film so yeah so i mean i think she's generally good but i don't know if i have a whole lot to talk about her uh the the only other person i had was corbin burdenson uh as harlan dexter he's barely there as the villain (laughs) in the movie but i've also i've also watched him watched him in psych and he has a very similar role through these uh through the tv show episodes where he's just in and out for like a two minute role. Huh. okay interesting uh, he plays like the lead's father and uh-huh yeah uh not a whole lot there either um budget of the film uh budget and box office we talked about that basically it made 15 million including worldwide so it's not that great like 15.7 million and the budget was really just 15 million yeah so, so pretty mediocre yeah not not the best performer. Yeah. 
Um, it, it's the sort of film, though, that really has legs, and I think it yeah. does for our generation a lot. Um, yeah. I think maybe those earlier Shane Blacks would speak to a different generation a little more, but I have a lot of friends that really are, uh, do like this film a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I've yet to meet a lot of people who have seen this movie actually. Oh really? So you might huh. be, you might be the only other person that I know that has seen the movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. It's a very talkative movie, and you kind of, you kind of have to be a very specific kind of viewer, to to get into this movie. I think. I, I guess so. I just feel like, I don't know. To me, this is the ultimate Downey Jr. role. Yeah. It's like a great Downey Jr. showcase. Yeah. So it's like. For people like our friend uh, Kalim, uh, our friend, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's like, I wonder what their relationship is to this film if they've sought it out after like sort of researching Downey and if they yeah. like it because like, I don't know, it has he has the same sort of charm in this that he does in like, uh, that he brings to just about all his roles. So um, I don't know. It seems like to me that it should have pretty good carryover too. Would the name kind of, like what brought me to the movie was the name actually mm-hmm. and like i was just kind of curious like what the hell is this kind of in a kind of way and like kiss kiss bang bang and like i'm wondering if today knowing how you know robert downey jr between iron man and sherlock franchises like would the name just turn you away kind of similar to his older work right like yeah and like it's just too kind of the name just signifies maybe something too far out of the left field that, that, you know, field of view that just doesn't oh, make you think that this would overlap. That's Although true. it should, like, as, as we're talking, like, like the content and the, the way Robert Downey Jr. portrays the character, it really would, I think, would overlap pretty well with the, the existing viewers. Maybe yeah. just people just don't know about this. Just call it an unofficial ways. Iron Man prequel. There we go. It, <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, uh, <clears throat> what else? Winners, losers. Winner Downey, uh, put him back on the map. Heck yeah, uh, uh, for sure he wins. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious what you say about Shane Black if he's a winner or a loser here. Doesn't make enough money from the from the movie, but. Like, I'd say Shane Black is probably a winner because he then goes out and gets to make Iron Man 3. Even though, like, it's not a great movie. Like, you just... Yeah. Your name rings bell in kind of people's mind because you worked with some of the more influential people now. Right, right. You know? I'm tempted to call him a loser here. uh, Mainly just because... I wonder if there's an alternate universe where this film is a raging success, like his earlier films were, and we just get more Shane Black films, like another era of them, mm-hmm. uh, in like the 2000s. But I don't yes. know. Who knows? I mean, if, if that was the alternate universe, then that's definitely I would love loss. that to happen. Uh, because like the film was just not financially successful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, he made a good film. He proved himself to be a competent director, and he's directed a few more films, so maybe that is the ideal case for him. So I don't, I don't totally know. Me neither. Um, I think um, the other winner I would call out is probably the audience, especially the movie gore. I really, I really, really, really wish that I, 
I could watch this movie and on the big screen and I wish I had. Uh, but unfortunately I hadn't. But, you know, I've enjoyed it over and over again in on the laptop and TV screen. But I yeah. think it would be a fun movie to go watch with an audience. Do you recall how you first heard about this? Just through Iron Man? Uh, yeah, just looking at, like, what's the most recent thing that Robert Downey Jr. has done since Iron Man? All right. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Really kind of not that, not that kind of how most people would be able to get to this movie, but not that obvious way of like, not your standard marketing where you see a trailer and go to the movie or something. Right, right. And I found out about this movie like five years or three years after it, it had come out. So, yeah. Yeah. I I wonder if it made enough mo- money back on, on DVDs, like given... The way you talk about it, it seems like, like if, given what I know and given what you're explaining, like anecdotally, I almost want to say that it might be like a semi-cult classic-ish. Like it might fall under that category. That's how that is. Then it it probably made, hopefully, it made enough money in the DVD. I think. I think so. I I yeah. just think that there is a difference because studios really want to get that money fast of and course. up front. So of course. Uh, like there's certainly a difference between it making 15 and 90 million. Like it probably you're right. In the end it probably was not a financial failure, but uh, it was not a uh, box office blockbuster, uh sadly. Okay. Okay. Any last words you would want to add? Um no, I think I think that's it for me. Except All there's right. an 8% chance you're about to die. Oh no. Bang bang. bang. <laughs> Well, thank you all. We will talk to you in another episode of Category 3 Podcast. Adios. Adios. Adios.